It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Australia in the finish, winning by 209 runs. 469 and 278 for nine declared. India, 296 in reply and 234. To talk about this in the upcoming Ashes series, which starts on the 16th, is cricket commentator Garth Galloway. Garth, welcome. Kia ora, Mark. How are you? Nice to be with you again. What's the official name of that trophy? It's a start. It's the World Test Championship, I thought. Yeah, but the actual... It's, a, it's not a cup, though, is it? It's more of a... Oh, look, a, I don't know. Just a champ. Look, look. They're yeah. world champions. They're world champions, aren't they? They are world champions. <laughs> no, let, no, you're right. Let's just move on. Uh, Garth, look, I never felt India were going to win this. I always felt, and I never felt that New Zealand were, they were going to beat New Zealand a couple of years ago because I think their conditions are just, when they play in India, their conditions are just so foreign for every other country travelling there and they're so set up in favour of India that the moment the Indians get out of India, play anything with a bit of a green surface on it, their batters are always going to struggle. Yeah, well, I, I, I think the timing... For them is, is is terrible, you know, and um, and that's the problem. And so uh, when they come, I mean, they've just come out of the IPL, and you have to remember that. And it really was they they had the advantage of winning the toss and decided, you know, that they would. Uh, I mean, you always question these decisions when you look at at the state of the conditions. But I wondered if they'd been playing a lot of Test cricket, whether they would have made that decision. It, it, you know, often there are these confidence things, but I'm just looking at the IPL and looking at a player like Gill, top run score on the IPL, 898, 890 runs at an average of 60, a strike rate of 157. Coley, fourth, you know, in the stats, 639 runs at 53, strike rate of 140. Sharma, Rahana, you know, these guys a couple of weeks before are smashing the ball to all ends of the park in India, and then they have to come out and play a completely different form of the game. And I know people will say they're professionals and they should be able to adjust. But the reality is uh, to step out of India and play test cricket against a very, very good Australian side, uh, it's extremely difficult. I, I always felt that, you know, my heart was wanting India. My head always said Australia. Yeah, I was divided on this one because I don't have a lot of sympathy for India. I don't like the way they've bullied the game. I don't like the IPL. I don't like the way that it's taking control and that we might get to a point where players are going to need to ask permission to go away and play for their own country with the way the IPL is looking to be franchised around the world. Um, and then again, Australia, well, they've never really endeared themselves, have they, with the way they, with their antics, the way they sort of carry on? Well, you know, Australia do the bullying on the field <laughs> and India do it off. Um, mm. So, you know, so I suppose I, I you know, I, I, I like the way that India, you know, for some years now have stood up to Australia and the, the Indian-Australian series, I think, are, are the most interesting in test cricket now, the best, um, you know, terrific challenges. Um, and, you know, and India, they can win tests in England, make no mistake about that, they're good enough, but you can't, I don't think you could ever go into a match like that after playing IPL. And remember also, players like Pajara, not playing at all, hasn't played. Um, So, you know, I think the timing of it's just, it's kind of completely unrealistic. And if India are always going to play a World Test final, a one-off game in England at that time, they're not going to have a great chance of winning it.
It's interesting though, isn't it? Because I'll argue that last year when we toured England, you know, Kane Williamson had come out of the IPL and I felt the difference between the two teams, we lost that series 3-0, but I felt the difference between the two teams was Joe Root, who actually didn't play in the IPL. And, you know, as a, as a New Zealander, as a proud New Zealander who wants my cricket team to win, um, I've got to say that whole IPL thing just infuriates the hell out of me. Yeah, well, I, I understand that. And it's not going to get any better for you because, as you know, in uh, July, there's a league setting up off in America. And, you know, a lot of the best players in the world are going to be playing in that um, for a couple of weeks. And, you know, and, and we, that's when we get into these discussions about players like Bolt and, you know, how, how can New Zealand cricket survive in these sort of circumstances? But unfortunately, I think the IPL is there to stay. Uh, I can't see any way around it. You've talked about the power of the, you know, the CCI, and it's like a juggernaut. Um, and, you know, the, the, the real worry is, is whether we can hang on to test cricket because, you know, for, and it does, you don't need now to be an absolutely passionate test cricket fan to see what a great game it is. Uh, some of the results now are fantastic. You have England playing it in this crazy way, and we've just watched Australia being, you know, dismantling India in a very compelling fashion. Well, it's interesting because I was just talking to one of our young producers here, and I was saying, look, you know, and again, we can look at the reasons why putting New Zealand cricket on Spark and maybe um, not giving the public enough exposure. But I'm incredibly excited by the Ashes series. I was excited by this World Test Championship, and here I am loving Test cricket, but I'm not actually watching my own team. I'm getting enjoyment out of watching Test series where there is some genuine jeopardy and there is actually some real meaning to the outcome of it. Yeah, and I think that's that's the same for all cricket fans around the world looking forward to this Ashes series. It will be wonderful. I, you know, I, I sort of went into it thinking, well, well the start of it, because it starts when on Friday, doesn't it? First uh, test, I think. Six, yeah. 16th is my understanding. So the first oh, test is the 16th, 16th to the sorry. 21st. Second test is the 28th to the 3rd of July. Yep. Right. Yeah, well, the 16th Friday, and that's Edge Baston. And um, that'll be a wonderful cauldron for you know, a lot of English supporters there. And then, of course, the second test at Lords, and I'm just having to get on a plane and go over and watch that, which I'm looking forward to. And, you know, I, but, but I think the England side, I, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see. You know, I, I thought um, before watching this test where, where Australia was so compelling, that England had a, had, had a chance, you know, and, and, and I, I'm sure the England fans think that they are, you know, they, they, they may still think they're odds on, uh, but this is such a good Australian side. And, and, you know, you know, looking at the England side, who their top seven are going to be, and they're going to have to, if they're to have a chance, they're going to have to get a lot of runs out of Duckett and Crawley and Pope. And so that's their top three. And they'll be facing that very good Australian attack. All of the bowlers bowling, you know, late one thirties and sometimes and well into the one forties, and all of them just incredibly accurate. So the challenge, you know, if England want to play the way that they have played, you know, it's a very interesting thing where you see these bowlers who are metronomic in the way that they bowl for Australia, and can England get to them? And can they can they play the game that they want to play against them? And that's going to be the challenge for them. Yeah, I hope you've got somebody, I hope you know nobody's somebody up there that might be able to give you t- free tickets for that test match at Lords there. I Garth. do, yeah, thank good. you. Okay, good. I'll be fine. No, I'm pleased you do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, just on that though, I mean, look, it's all very well going out and playing baseball and playing aggressive, but do England still need to have a plan B? Do they still need to be able to make the decision, just be a little bit more measured? Because there's a fine line, isn't there, between being confident and then being just irresponsible. And the England public, yep, 
they've bought into this England philosophy, but this is the ashes. And there are going to be times where they're going to be put under pressure and you are probably going to have to have a plan B, as are Australia. Do they have a plan B? Um, we, we haven't seen it so far. And so if you come back to the test that they lost against New Zealand, uh, you know, I feel there will be people who will say, well, it was a great test and it was a good way to play the game. But in my mind, England threw that match away. Now, you know, they, and you and I have talked about that. They, they muscled up. Uh, they had Wagner bowling about 125 k's an hour, short pitch stuff, and they threw their wickets away to him because they said, we're gonna, it doesn't matter what you do to us, we're going to smash you. And they got it wrong. And there, there was nothing sensible or good about their approach, in, in my view, on that day. They should have, you know, the top side, they should have put New Zealand away. They should have won the test. They were the better side. And instead, they allowed that arrogance of wanting to smash the ball around the park and muscle up to take over. Uh, they, my view is they just simply will not be able to do that against Australia at all times. You just can't. They're okay, the best but, side in the world. But, but, but can but you've said that, and I agree with you, but will they have a plan B? Well, will they utilise a know, plan B? That's what's going to be very interesting. So, so much will depend, I think, on, on what happens. So, again, if, 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 if you look at the toss, and we go to Edge Baston, for example, in the first test, and, and if, if the pitch is a little bit green, as it might be at the start of the year, and England decide to put Australia in, and, and Wood and Robinson and... Anderson and co, you know, go through the Australians early on in that first innings, then, you know, England England are in a more confident position. But if, for example, they bat first in that first test and and lose Duckett, Crawley, Pope early on, and they're three for not many, uh, you know, I, I just think they're going to have to have a different plan and that they'll have to build things, I think, around route, obviously, uh, you know, Brooks has just come out of the IPL and had a pretty poor season uh, by his standards over there. It's his first year in the IPL, but he hasn't, you know, he's flattered to deceive a little bit when you think about the money he's getting paid. Uh, so, uh, you know, I feel the approach, the intention will be to be aggressive. But you, you know, Mark, how much, how much the toss can make a difference mm. in a place like England at this time of year. So, as I say, if they if if they get on a flat one, they'll be they should be fine. But if the ball's moving around and they bat first, I think they have to have a different strategy. Mitchell Stark, Pat Cummins, Scott Bowl, and Cameron Green. Um, we look at them yeah. and you go look four fast bowlers. But how much subtle difference is there between the four? I mean, how how. Um, multi-dimensional is this Australian attack and it clearly Nathan Lyon there is their spinner well spinners you know Lyon is in the top spinners in the world he, he, he's taken more um, more. He, he's an incredible off spinner and no matter what you know people think about him and you hear the odd negative comment about him he, he's a wicket taker and he continues to take wickets and he takes wickets in England at this time of year as well so to one side, but just think, you know, and the, the thing about Australia and the difference with with them in New Zealand is they will play the spinner and Lyon's not going to get runs for them. He's going to bat at 10 or 11 for them, but they'll play the spinner because they've encouraged him and they've developed him into a great bowler. So he's always going to be picked. The thing that I think is going to be interesting is Hazelwood is likely to be fit. And in that first test at Edge Baston on, on Friday or Saturday New Zealand time, who are they going to pick? Is it well? Green will play. There's nothing surer. He's the all-rounder. 
uh, Cummins will play his captain. The choice then is Boland, Stark or Hazelwood. And, and I just wonder, in those conditions, if they might pick Boland. I see the scribes are talking about Boland being dropped. Uh, you know, I think that they could play Boland and Hazelwood and leave Stark out and simply go go for accuracy. You know, I think Stark is much more vulnerable than the rest of those bowlers. Um, so, but having said that, if they play Stark, he of course gives you that left arm option. Um, how how much variation is there between, for example, Cummins, Boland, and Hazelwood? Uh, not an awful lot, except in terms of bounce and and at times a little, you know, a little bit of the ability to seam the ball. But the thing that they have in their advantage is they are so accurate and they're quick, and that's you know that's going to be very challenging for the English batsman. David Warner, surely a weakness in the Australian batting lineup. Brilliant at home. But still, um, yeah, there's a question mark next to him as he sort of forgets towards the end of his career and particularly his form away from home. Yeah, and England will will need to exploit that. 2019 in the Ashes, you know, he averaged nine for the series. Broad dismissed him seven times. Broad's unlikely, I think, to start at Edge Baston. You know, I don't think they'll be so focused on just having Broad to get out Warner that they'll pick him. But, but Warner, yeah, he is vulnerable, and he looked vulnerable in that test against uh, India. Uh, Kawaja looked a bit vulnerable as well, and I got the impression there that uh, that the the Indians had worked both of those players out. But that might be as good as it gets for them, because then you've got Labashane, Smith, Head, Green, and Kerry, <laughs> and uh, you know that's not a bad backup. I see the English are saying that there are plans in place as you would expect for Labashane and Smith. Um, they you know, they think that they've got a plan and Pope is talking about having worked them out. Well, you know, Smith averages 60 in Test cricket. Not many sides have worked them out. So they're going to have to produce something very special. Uh, but I think Australia's vulnerability, if there is a vulnerability in that batting lineup, it's in the top order. And their best chance for England, I think, is getting rid of uh, the openers early and getting Labashane Smith in the head when the ball is new and it's still seeming around. That, that's going to be their real opportunity. We saw Ricky Ponting, 39-test hundreds, remarkable player. And then along yep. comes Steve Smith, 97 tests, almost 9,000 test runs, averages 60, 31 hundreds. <laughs> Is is he that good? <laughs> I mean, because he's unorthodox in the way he plays. He, he's not Martin Crow, is he? He he's not. He doesn't take you back to David Gower. He's unconventional, but man, this guy knows how to score runs. Well, he's he's one of the great modern players. Um, to, you know, even though the conditions are very different when Bradman averaged ninety nine point nine four in Test cricket, and he was by far, you know, by far the greatest batsman in, in Test cricket. There's no one who comes close to him. When you think about the fact that uh, they had very little protection, they were playing on uncovered pitches, you know, nothing was in Bradman's favour, really. Um, but Smith, if you look at the, the modern players, has to be up there against, you know, with the best of them. Um, he, you know, he does infuriate people with his style. The ball goes through to the keeper. He's the one that yells no run, <laughs> uh, you know, when it's the non-striker's call. There are lots of things that annoy people about Smith. But I think, the point about him is no matter, even though he moves around so much and he appears to be ungainly in things, his striking of the ball and at the time that he strikes the ball, he's perfectly still and he's very well positioned. 
Um, you know, the thing for me about Smith, though, and I know you know some some people may disagree with me, but I won't I won't forgive him for what happened in South Africa, nor Warner, um, and and poor old Bancroft, you know, who was the the, the 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 young opening batsman. You know, when they got in trouble against South Africa away from home, they cheated to win. And uh, that, for me, you know, he will never go down as one of the great yeah, sportsmen. Yeah. And it wasn't the first time when they did it. It was just a, simply the first time they got caught, in my humble yeah. opinion. Uh, OK. Um, sorry, so I was going to ask you that then. So when you look at the players playing today, is it, I mean, the batting conditions far more conducive now to score players hundreds? Because you, you go back and you look at Hadley back in his day, and it might be, you know, 22 runs um, per wicket average. And now the top bowls are around 26, 27. Uh, we've seen, you know, T20 cricket where the pitches are very, very benign. And it seems to me that pitches are set up a lot more for batsmen these days. Is it, is it easier for the current crop to score hundreds? Uh, no question about it. Uh, no no question at all. Um, you, you do not see the ball. And this is why I love watching cricket in England, even, even though it's it's getting into you know, midsummer over there now. Uh, I love seeing it at this time of year where the ball does just nip around a little bit. I mean, you, again, you come back to pitches like Perth, you know, and it, it's just, it's a cliche that when uh, test, when, when players go up there, they talk about the bounce at Perth and the pace and the pitch. I mean, I mean that Perth hasn't been a bouncy and, and, you know, dangerous pitch compared to what it was 20 years ago for a long time. Uh, you know, the conditions are very different and, in my view, much easier for for batsmen. Uh, so, and, and that is why, you, you know, you see a lot of players who average 45 to 60 now or, or 45 to 55. I mean, they are very, very good batsmen, make no mistake about it. But the ball does not move around as much off the seam. Um, and, you know, the game has been, and, and New Zealand cricket went through this phase when four-day cricket came in. And the pitches in New Zealand became flat and like roads. And you had, I remember commentating games where uh, one in Christchurch um, at the Kiri 2, uh, the Village Green there, where, you know, the sides fought out first innings points over four days with both sides scoring over 600 runs in one innings. Uh, there's just nothing enjoyable or good about that from a cricketing point of view. And I think, you know, one of the things that I think has been has made Test cricket a lot more interesting in recent times is we have seen, you know, more sporting occasions. And I think viewers, uh, you know, people who are the aficionados and watching the game and enjoying it would much rather see uh, games where teams are scoring 300-350 in the first innings and there's an absolute competition rather than a side going in and scoring 600 because the game's dead then. There's nothing in it. And uh, and there's only one side that can win it. And people like seeing an even competition, and so they should. Garth Galloway, my guest on the programme, Talking Cricket. Just finally, Garth, we've, uh, last week we saw the announcement of the players who were offered central contracts. Finn Allen, Tom Blundell, Michael Bracewell, Mark Chapman, Devin Conway, Lockie Ferguson, Matt Henry, Kyle Jamison, Tom Latham. Uh, Adam Milne, Daryl Mitchell, Henry Nichols, Glenn Phillips, Mitch Santner, Ish Sodi, Tim Southey, Blair Tickner, Neil Wagner and Kane Williamson. Uh, your initial reaction when you saw that 20 and any potential concerns or any particular player that's been hard done by? Well, you know what I'm going to say, don't you? Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, God, I mean, talk about destroying a player's career. I just, 
it, it, it's just embarrassing the way Patel's been treated by New Zealand cricket. 14 wickets in that test against in, in India in 2021. He bowled two overs in test cricket. He didn't play against Bangladesh or South Africa and New Zealand. And then they gave him two overs, uh, I think at Lords. Uh, I stand to be corrected there in the series against England. And he hasn't bowled for New Zealand since. It is, it's just scandalous. And, and you know, I, I suppose the message it sends to spin bowlers in New Zealand is, is very much like, and I was thinking about this today when I, when I was asked to come on your show. You know, there was, back in the day and a long time ago, uh, often players who were wicket keepers did not necessarily have to be great batsmen. And, you know, Barry Milburn, an Otago keeper who some players may, some people may remember, played for New Zealand in 1969. He played three tests against the West Indies. And Milburn averaged 11 in first-class cricket. Uh, you know, he was batted number 11 for Otago, or 10. Uh, but in those days, you know, the keeper did not have to be an all-rounder. And, of course, we've seen that change over the years. And I think we're saying... Apart from the likes of, say, Lyon, who's taken hundreds of wickets, Mura Litherin and co, and co, you're really seeing your spin bowlers being expected to score runs as well. And, you know, that's why New Zealand has uh, played, you know, Santner in 25 or so tests, 25 too many in my view, uh, because he was able to come in and score runs. We're seeing, we saw Ravindra playing in that series that I talked about in India. Uh, simply because um, you know he, he was seen, I think, as a, as a batting option as well. Uh, now for New Zealand, I suppose they've stumbled upon Bracewell, and and Bracewell's you know doing a pretty good job. Very good white ball player, I think. Uh, not not in my view a top class Test match spinner, but because he can get runs, he's going to be the one who's favoured. Mm. And uh, I'm afraid if you can't bat as a spinner in New Zealand. You're just not going to get a, get a look in. Um, you can bowl, you can bowl 130, 135, and they'll play you, but not not if you can't bat as a spin bowler. It, it, I think it's a great shame, and I think it's misguided. Completely agree, Garth. And we might open that up for talk back, Garth. Lovely to have you on the program as always. Thank you for your time. Cheers. Nice to talk to you.